0: Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Decker.
1: And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, this, this episode, I was thinking, you know, because again, I have school-aged kids here at my house, you know, what's happening with rigor? You know, what, what, are, what do we do to promote rigor in these, in these online environments? And what, what is the role and responsibility of the parent to ensure the kids are actually participating rigorously? What, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I, I'm gonna go back to my roots of special ed and, and say, you know, this might be an opportunity to actually ensure equality and rigor. Uh, and yet what I worry about is that group A is getting this and group B is getting that and group C is getting nothing or less of that. Or I also worry that kids with disabilities might be getting a lot of their services, like speech, PT, OT, and missing that academic, no different than we see in brick and mortar. And so I think that it's got to be a time where we keep asking ourselves not only are we meeting the IEP go- goals, but are we really assessing the standards? And if kids are in access points, that's still okay, but they still should be accessing the content of the standard. And I think the only way to do that goes back to one of my root values, which is including them in the same activities you're doing with everybody else. And I'm not sure that's happening everywhere. I see highlights of, amazing work as I know you do. And then other places that talk a lot about meeting goals, but I don't know about the rigor of, of content. So what are you seeing or what are you thinking?
1: Well, I agree that there's definitely, um, a, a lot of disparity, of among access. And I think it, 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 as expected, it's really district to district and and school to school across state State to state. Yeah. What I, what I can see. So, so part of it kind of starts with what a district, you know, how a district has helped, help roll out all of this. So no doubt about that. And as you know, Lisa, you know, when it comes to achievement, there are a lot of um, factors that are correlated with achievement uh, in school, but the number, the number one, Correlate that it, that can be controlled by by teachers and now unfortunately by parents Um is instructional time mm-hmm. and opportunity to learn. I mean that historically That's been that's been the thing so so opportunity to learn is what districts should now be offering They should they should be sending out the curriculum and making it accessible. So kids do have an opportunity to learn but that amount of time that a student's really actually engaged in instruction you know, if schools are doing things asynchronously, which means, you know, not real time, but they're just pushing out the the information. Unfortunately, now, again, it's back on parents to ensure that that instructional time is happening. And I think that's a, that's a real challenge. I keep reading, you know, different posts from parents saying, you know what, not doing it, I'm going to enjoy my kid. Yeah, you know, I can't, I uh, can't be the teacher and the parent and the worker right now. So, you know, and I can really feel for them. But I think we have to think about um, the opportunity to learn and the, the actual instructional time, the amount of time that kids engage in instruction. And I think that the districts that are are able right now to engage their kids synchronously, in other words, you know, through different kind of online meetings, those districts, I would imagine, are going to have probably a little bit better learning gains because, at least if they have a good percentage of kids logging in, they, they're at least delivering the instruction.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, instructional time is important, and yet I, I respect as parents, not only can you not be your kid's teacher, I, you know, I was given some great advice by a fabulous colleague in Michigan who said, don't be your son's tutor because you wanna be their parent. And yet right now, everybody's a tutor, <laughs> whether you wanna be or not. And and I think whether the tutorial is coming from a packet that the parent has to interpret what the teacher wants and the teacher gets back a week later, versus the packet is the teacher delivering, the parent listening, learning with, and supporting, I think are gonna have different outcomes. And unfortunately, our kids of poverty are gonna sometimes be the kids who don't have access. I really do respect that we have internet providers providing free access, but again, free access in a home with one device means limitations. Yet I do have to celebrate. we got some great, amazing parents who are really making some tough choices with their budgets. I know a lot of the teachers I work with in Title I schools that, you know, parents are going out buying computers. They're going out of their way to ask for devices. I had a teacher last night said, you know what? I called another district that's rich and they said, yeah, we got extra computers. Come and get them. So, you know, I think it's a time for people to step up and say, look, I got an old computer at my house. If the neighbor next door doesn't have one, they can have it. But I do think kids who don't have that ability to be online, see their teachers, and the teachers get immediate results from kids learning, I think that's the other thing we're missing is that immediate, immediate feedback. When kids can immediately know they're right versus when they're wrong, most of our kids with LD, when they're wrong and they learn it wrong, good luck when they go back to school next year because that's ingrained as the way that they learned it at that moment. And I think that's what keeps me up and not related to rigor.
1: Well i think as as a as a as a parent too, if you're worried about your student and you, your student, I'm so teachery if you're worried about your child <laughs> dog teacher no, and you have, have twins, so you've got double parenting I've got twins of kids who are very different academically and yet not surprisingly at this moment are so similar in their complete lack of interest in out of the pool and doing something online. So um, it it is interesting though, because um, what I've found in in terms of rigor across the board is, you know, I, I sometimes have to seek out what I think are the best learning materials for my kids anyway you know, they're, look, if I have, my kids are in high school, um, and I do use, I, I will look at Khan Academy, I will look, you know, you can download, I, I really hate to say this, again, I don't want to make people's brains explode, but, you know, you can download the state standards, and if you're worried about, on an app, there's an app, you can download, you know, state standards, so there's, even using just key words that you know are at the grade level of your child, even weaving it in when I say things like opportunity to learn. If you don't feel like your kids are getting the opportunity they need, don't make it harder on yourself. Don't Don't think that it's about sitting down and doing things the old way. It is about take, taking a nature walk. But if you know some key words or some key things that kids are supposed to be learning at, at their grade level, you know, I would try to weave some of that into my natural language in my discussion. Things like social skills, Lisa, this is a good chance for a lot of those soft mm-hmm. skills that we don't get a chance to teach Absolutely. in. You know, so I would make it easier on myself as a parent, um, because honestly, I would not want to, I, I don't want to sit with my kids all day and try to, you know, fight them to do their work. I do want to make sure that they're learning something, even if it's those soft skills right now, those communication skills. Maybe if we just try to at least talk to our kids more Mm -hmm. and maybe teachers could send out, you know, maybe we were, maybe we're thinking, one one thing I really took from a recent um, graduate course I was teaching online. One of the, one of the students in my class said, you know, I wish I had not sent out so much information and overwhelmed the parents so fast. And that really resonated with me. What if, what if teachers just, sent a quick text in the morning and said, here's four key words to try to use all day. Yeah, I yeah. think we might see more learning gains if we thought a little differently as teachers about what we're actually sending out in the first place.
0: It's funny because you hit on my absolute favorite thing and it's probably one of my personal pet peeves when I walk into a special education class focused on math or science. And it seems to be that when uh, we teach kids with disabilities math or science, we tend to want to tell them. And we tend to let them use one-word statements like, you know, what's that number at the bottom? A four? Well, it's not a four. No. It's one fourth, you know. And and using a complete sentence, one fourth of a whole is, you know, twenty-five percent. Can you say that in a complete sentence? So I think at home I would also be working, in, especially in the math and science. We do this great in reading. Tell me the story. The kid didn't say, guy ran. You know, you just wouldn't do that. But in mathematics and science, it tends to be how we approach it. You know, it got hotter. Well, what does that mean? You know, well, when the water was on the stove, it began to boil, which means the temperature rise and it was hotter. You know, that's the kind of conversation I would be having in my house, especially in math and science with kids so that we're not just having social, but we're having really complete sentence discussion. (laughs) I know your kids are older, but honestly, I don't think you can ever be too old because that's what happens in math and science. We assume you know if you spit out the answer, and really that's not math and science today. It's conceptual understanding. The only way to know what you're thinking is to ask a kid. And ask a kid with a disability what they're thinking. Sometimes you get things you weren't planning to hear.
1: (laughs) You know, kind of to, um, to flash back to one of our earlier episodes, I will tell you the one thing that I have had success with here. And again, you know, thinking outside, you mentioned the idea of immediate feedback. We have taken um, Khan Academy quizzes (laughs) and even some of the, I mean, be honest, some of the virtual quizzes that my kids are asked to do and we project them on the TV and we play it like a quiz game and we all guess our answer (laughs) and then we look at the real answer and, you know, we're trying to make it as game-like as possible, but honestly I've had I've had my kids do more history over the last few days just putting it up on the TV and doing it at, you know, I'm just like the show host and we just keep guessing our answers and seeing if we're right. I, I just want
0: to know who gets the most right. I bet it's not you.
1: No, it's <laughs> you know who it is in my house. I do. <laughs> not, not me. It's a girl gene. <laughs> so it's not me. Um but you know, circling back, I think we kind of as we sometimes do, we were little um Um, a field of rigor per se right now, but um, kids do need feedback. I do recommend Khan Academy. I do recommend finding something that includes self-grading quizzes, but not punitively. That's the great thing about something like Khan Academy. It's not punitive. You go in and you see if you know it, yes or no. So if you can align some of the topics your kids are supposed to be learning about, and if you feel like your child is not getting the content he or she needs right now, I would turn to a really well vetted resource like Khan Academy and I would try to make it feel um as non-threatening as possible and use it as an opportunity just to let the child keep working keep practicing in a really low stakes environment.
0: Okay but I'm gonna have to push back a little bit my friends in math and science will be like what Um, (laughs) because I do believe Khan Academy is fabulous but it doesn't have dialogue so I think it's a great place for parents to go and learn the math, but to really to have dialogue with their kids. Uh, because I do believe that what it's missing is the conceptual piece of, so, you
1: know, we disagree quite often. and in things. In that's life. really stated as somebody who could apparently watch a Khan Academy uh, and then discuss it with their child. My kids have known more about math than me for the last...
0: Well, I'm talking first grade. I'm not talking college <laughs> yeah. and school. Yeah. So if I'm teaching, yeah, if my yes. kids or maybe, Lisa. Maybe.
1: Yes.
0: yes. But I do think that it's important when kids are really young, they learn to have discussions about math. And I do think that's often missing. And again, I love love the writing on the board and the procedural knowledge, but we know conceptual knowledge is what we need. So just keep that in mind as part of your rigor. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are rigored out, I think. So that was rigorous enough for one night. What do you think? Any last thoughts?
1: No, other than just if you can hear the loud children in the background. My apologies.
0: Oh no, it sounded nice and quiet on my end. All right. Well, we thank you for joining us and join us on Twitter at Access Practical and post your questions.